Chapter Fifteen of the Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. If it were fair or adequate to so quote, I should be very much tempted to draw the history of Lorne Murchison's sojourn in England from his letters home. He put his whole heart into these, his discoveries and his recognitions and his young enthusiasm all his claimed inheritance all that he found to criticize and to love his mother said half jealously when she read them that he seemed tremendously taken up with the old country and of course she expressed the thing exactly as she always did he was tremendously taken up with it the old country fell into the lines of his imagination from the towers of westminster to the shops in the strand from the right honourable fawcett wallingham who laid great issues before the public to the man who sang melancholy hymns to the same public up and down the benevolent streets it was naturally london that filled his view his business was in london and his time was short the country he saw from the train whence it made a low cloudy frame for london with decorations of hedges and sheep how he saw london how he carried away all he did in the time and under the circumstances may be thought a mystery there are doubtless people who would consider his opportunities too limited to gather anything essential cruikshank was the only one of the deputation who had been over before and they all followed him unquestioningly to the temperance hotel of his preference in bloomsbury where bedrooms were three and six and tea was understood as a solid meal and the last in the day bates would have voted for the metropole and mcgill had been advised that he saw a good deal of life at the cecil but they bowed to cruikshank's experience none of them were total abstainers but neither had any of them the wine habit they were not inconvenienced therefore in taking advantage of the cheapness with which total abstinence made itself attractive and they took it though they were substantial men as one of them put it they weren't over there to make a splash a thing that was pretty hard to do in london anyhow and home comforts came before anything the conviction about the splash was perhaps a little the teaching of circumstances they were influential fellows at home who had lived for years in the atmosphere of appreciation that surrounds success their movements were observed in the newspapers their names stood for wide interests big concerns they had known the satisfaction of a positive importance not only in their community but in their country and they had come to england invested as well with the weight that is attached to a public mission it may very well be that they looked for some echo of what they were accustomed to and were a little dashed not to find it to find the merest published announcement of their arrival and their introduction by lord selkirk to the colonial secretary and no heads turned in the temperance hotel when they came into the dining-room it may very well be it is even more certain however that they took the lesson as they found it with the quick eye for things as they are which seems to come of looking at things as they will be and with just that humorous comment about the splash it would be misleading to say that they were humbled 
i doubt whether they even felt their relativity whether they ever dropped consciously there in the bloomsbury hotel into their places in the great scale of london observing the scale recognizing it they held themselves unaffected by it they kept in a curious positive way the integrity of what they were and what they had come for they maintained their point of view so much must be conceded the empire produces a family resemblance but here and there when oceans intervene a different mould of the spirit wallingham certainly invited them to dinner one sunday in a body an occasion which gave one or two of them some anxiety until they found that it was not to be adorned by the ladies of the family tricorn was there president of the board of trade and fleming who held the purse-strings of the united kingdom two ministers whom wallingham had asked because they were supposed to have open minds open that is to say for purposes of assimilation wallingham considered and rightly that he had done very well for the deputation in getting these two there were other colleagues whose attendance he would have liked to compel but one of them deep in the country was devoting his weekends to his new french motor and the other to the proofs of a book upon neglected periods of mohammedan history and both were at the breaking strain with overwork wallingham asked the deputation to dinner lord selkirk who took them to wallingham dined them too and invited them to one of those garden parties for the sumptuous scale of which he was so justly famed the occasion we have already heard about upon which royalty was present in two generations they travelled to it by special train a circumstance which made them grave receptive and even slightly ceremonious with one another lord selkirk with royalty on his hands naturally could not give them much of his time and they moved about in a cluster avoiding the ladies trains and advising one another that it was a good thing the high commissioner was a man of large private means it wasn't everybody that could afford to take the job yet they were not wholly detached from the occasion they looked at it after they had taken it in with an air half amused half proprietary all this had in a manner come out of canada and canada was theirs one of them bates it was responding to a lady who was effusive about the strawberries even took the modest depreciatory attitude of the host they're a fair size for this country ma'am but if you want berries with a flavour we'll do better for you in the niagara district it must be added that cruikshank lunched with wallingham at his club and with tricorn at his and on both occasions the quiet and attentive young secretary went with him for purposes of reference his pocket bulging with memoranda the young secretary felt a little embarrassed to justify his presence at tricorn's lunch as the right honourable gentleman seemed to have forgotten what his guests had come for beyond it and talked exclusively and exhaustively about the new possibilities for fruit farming in england cruikshank fairly shook himself into his overcoat with irritation afterward it's the sort of thing we must expect he said as they merged upon pall mall 
it was not the sort of thing lorne expected but we know him unsophisticated and a stranger to the heart of the empire which beats through such impediment of accumulated tissue nor was it the sort of thing they got from wallingham the keen-eyed and probing whose skill in adjusting conflicting interests could astonish even their expectation and whose vision of the essentials of the future could lift even their enthusiasm one would like to linger over their touch with wallingham that fusion of energy with energy that straight satisfying accomplishing dart there is more drama here no doubt than in all the pages that are to come but i am explaining now how little not how much the cruikshank deputation and especially lord murchison had the opportunity of feeling and learning in london in order to show how wonderful it was that lorne felt and learned so widely that what he absorbed and took back with him is after all what we have to do with his actual adventures are of no great importance the deputation to urge improved communications within the empire had few points of contact with the great world but its members were drawn into engagements of their own more indeed than some of them could conveniently overtake mr bates never saw his niece in the post-office and regrets it to this day the engagements arose partly out of business relations polton who was a dyspeptic complained that nothing could be got through in london without eating and drinking for his part he would concede a point any time not to eat and drink but you could not do it you just had to suffer polton was a principal in one of the railway companies that were competing to open up the country south of hudson's bay to the pacific but having dealt with that circumstance in the course of the day he desired only to be allowed to go to bed on bread and butter and a little stewed fruit bates whose name was a nightmare to every other dry-goods man in toronto naturally had to see a good many of the wholesale people he too complained of the number of courses and the variety of the wines but only to disguise his gratification mcgill of the great bear line had big proposals to make in connection with southern railway freights from liverpool and cameron for private reasons of magnitude proposed to ascertain the real probability of a duty to foreigners on certain forms of manufactured leather he turned out in toronto a very good class of suitcase cruikshank had private connections to which they were all respectful nobody but cruikshank found it expedient to look up the lost leader of the canadian house of commons contributed to a cause still more completely lost in home politics nobody but cruikshank was likely to be asked to dine by a former governor-general of the dominion an invitation which nobody but cruikshank would be likely to refuse it used to be a command in ottawa said cruikshank who had got on badly with his sovereign's representative there but here it's only a privilege there's no business in it and i haven't time for pleasure the nobleman in question had in effect dropped back into the lords so far as the empire was concerned he was in the impressive rear-guard and this was a little company of fighting men 
the entertainments arising out of business were usually on a scale more or less sumptuous they took place in big well-known restaurants and included a look at many of the people who seemed to lend themselves so willingly to the great buzzing show that anybody can pay for in london their names in the paper in the morning their faces at princes in the evening their personalities no doubt advantageously exposed in various places during the day but there were others humbler ones in earl's court road or maida vale where the members of the deputation had relatives whom it was natural to hunt up long years and many billows had rolled between and more effective separations had arisen in the whole difference of life still it was natural to hunt them up to seek in their eyes and their hands the old subtle bond of kin and perhaps such is our vanity in the new lands to show them what the stock had come to overseas they tended to be depressing these visits the married sister was living in a small way the first cousin seemed to have got into a rut the uncle and aunt were failing with a stooping trembling old-fashioned kind of decrepitude a rigidity of body and mind which somehow one didn't see much over home england said polton the canadian-born is a dangerous country to live in you run such risks of growing old they agreed i fear for more reasons than this that england was a good country to leave early and you cannot blame them there was not one of them who did not offer in his actual person proof of what he said their own dividing chance grew dramatic in their eyes i was offered a clerkship with the cunards the day before i sailed said mcgill great scott if i'd taken that clerkship he saw all his glorious past i suppose in a suburban aspect i was kicked out said cameron and it was the kindest attention my father ever paid me and bates remarked that it was worth coming out second class as he did to go back in the best cabin in the ship the appearance and opinions of those they had left behind them prompted them to this kind of congratulation with just a thought of compunction at the back of it for their own better fortunes in the further spectacle of england most of them saw the repository of singularly old-fashioned ideas the storehouse of a good deal of money and the market for unlimited produce they looked cautiously at imperial sentiment they were full of the terms of their bargain and had as they would have said little use for schemes that did not commend themselves on a basis of common profit cruikshank was the biggest and the best of them but even cruikshank submitted the common formulas submitted them and submitted to them only lorne murchison among them looked higher and further only he was alive to the inrush of the essential he only lifted up his heart End of chapter fifteen